When I came out here, I thought I knew who I was, but I also was taking what I was and filtering that through what I thought casting directors wanted to see of me. These are the headshots they want. This is the type of energy that they want. These are the characters they want. And after a while, I was like, why is this not feeling right? And then I just kind of was like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to, you know, crash auditions. I'm going to make a fool of myself. I'm going to show them my personality. I'm going to dye my hair blue. Like, I'm going to be me. And what's great about that is I am the only one of me. Hello, and welcome to the Hollywood Hustle podcast, where we bring you the stories and struggles of artists climbing the ladder of success and how they survive the city of dreams, Los Angeles. Hello, and welcome to episode 27. My name is Michael Luther, and I'm the producer of the podcast, and I'd like to welcome you to our Act 2 discussion with actress, cosplay model, business owner, Allie Williams. We have a fantastic roundtable discussion prepared for you today. We're going to be talking about identity, Los Angeles, and we're going to talk about branding and a whole lot more. So welcome to the show. We're excited to have you. Catching up with me a little bit, this past weekend I was able to attend an acting masterclass with actress, acting coach, head of my acting studio, actually, that I'm taking classes at, Joanne Barron. This was a master class in that it's an intensive uh, look at the training, specifically, in this case, Meisner. And as many of our listeners are aware, I'm currently taking class right now. So this was a really interesting opportunity to sit in and see her work with students who have already passed the training, who have already graduated from the program. But it was great to see that, obviously, they're far more advanced in some of their techniques than I might be right now in the training. But they were still getting notes on some of the issues that I think all of us artists get pinged on day to day, um, specifically with actors, vocal vitality, and making sure you have intention and emotional preparation going into the scene. It was just amazing. It was eight hours long of just getting to sit in and watch and I feel like all art is this way, but especially true with acting. It is one of the few art forms where you could arguably gain more from just watching sometimes rather than the doing. I, I, I was able to learn so much of watching my fellow actors around me and seeing their work and really letting it inspire me and really give me an idea of where I'm going in this training and in this process. So... It was really, really great to to catch that. But I'm going to wrap up this intro here really quick because I actually, uh, as of this recording, I it is currently 9.35 p.m. and I'm about to head to rehearsal with my scene partner for class. We <laughs> Our schedules are mixed up, so the only time that we can rehearse right now is around 10 o'clock at night. So it's going to be a late night. So... Let's jump into the Act 2 discussion with Allie Williams, where I start off the conversation about the discovery process of one's own identity when they come to Los Angeles, a city in which you are tempted to edit yourself to appeal to the broader masses. But as Allie perfectly demonstrates, allowing you to just be you will guide you towards success and booking more work. We also go deep into a conversation about Allie responds to criticisms that many cosplayers deal with every day and how... Again, embracing one's own identity and following your specific interests will lead to you and creating your own interpretation 
and your own unique showcase of some of these classic and well-known characters. Finally, we unpack the do's and don'ts of branding as an artist. So get ready, grab your favorite color that you've always wanted to dye your hair with, and enjoy Act Two with Allie Williams. Take it away, Daniel. Thank you, Michael and Daniel. Well, we are still here with the actress, business owner, model, cosplayer, and friend, Miss Allie Williams. Hey, Allie! Hi! Thanks so much for being back for a little roundtable discussion. Yeah, I'm excited. Now, Allie and I are also joined by our good friend. He just finished a self-directed one-night mimed performance of The Princess Bride, Mr. Michael Lutheran. Oh, that was my mime hello. That was good, that was good. How many people heard the show? Everyone. <laughs> Everyone and no one. They heard They heard the meaning behind the show. That's what they heard. <laughs> you had, uh, what, three people in the audience? It's L.A. It was one. Oh, it's one. But that person was a casting agent. And now you're in the next Indiana Jones film. Woo! Just kidding. No. I'm not definitely. your manager. I, why would you believe me? <laughs> I believed in you, Daniel. Why would you tempt my soul? So uh, we just want to... We have some topics that we just want to chat about and get your opinion. We'll, Michael will share his opinion. I'll share my opinion. Maybe we'll get your opinion at home. Huh? 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 All right. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Michael, I know the first topic, I believe, is yours. Yeah. Why don't you lead us off? Definitely. So, one thing I'm just so interested about with cosplay, as, and, as well as acting and everything like that, is identity. Right? With cosplaying and stuff, you're taking on different identities of well-known heroes, princesses, um, but then as an actor, we also always take on different roles and stuff like that, and Los Angeles is very much, I feel, like a city of identity. A lot of people come from all over the world to discover themselves here, or to chase their dreams and everything like that. Um, so I'd love to just kind of open this up and talk about uh, how this city changes people, how this city, you know, can one find their identity here? Or were you already um, certain of who you were when you came to this town? Um, so yeah, talking about Los Angeles as a as a city of identity and exploration. Um, wow, that's quite the question. <laughs> I know, we're getting yeah, deep here. Starting it off. Discussion part big two. Big talk. I like it. Um, huh, did I know myself when I first moved out here? I think I knew myself enough um, to have a good grounds. Um, I think that's really important in a city that can take you a bunch of different directions because if you don't and something bad comes knocking, you could just kind of be lead, led down the like wrong path. Mm-hmm. And so that's, um, that's really tricky. As far as with like cosplay um, and finding your identity in cosplay, like I... I mean, it's it's acting to me. It's, it's right. It's, it's, know, it's a it's a different role. Yeah, right? that's that's what it is. Um, and it's almost like someone was commenting the other day. I was doing just a um, a Skype call with one of my closer fans, and um, while I was sewing and talking, and I was like, I like having you here, and um, it helps me feel like I'm being held accountable. Like I have someone like keeping me kind of like responsible and trying to stay on track with my sewing project. And then I confessed and was like, and it also feels like I'm kind of performing. Mm. And he was like, what? And I was like, it's nothing like, you know, to be a personal attack or anything. It's just kind of like a realization that when someone is watching me, that's a fan before anything else, I do feel like 
it's some I'm type a of little audience. Performance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so um, I do see myself as someone different when people are watching. Now, I don't know if you've ever like done any self exploration to be like, well, who am I around my family? Who am I around my friends? Who am I around fans? Who am I by myself? Um, I think we're just very complex creatures as humans, and so identity is. Um, it is what you want it to be. There's so many opportunities, especially in LA. Coming from a small town, I know that at least it's sometimes harder for people to come out about certain parts of themselves, about embracing, you know, having emotions and being able to talk freely about how you feel about certain things. And so for me, at least, coming down to LA was definitely much more of like opening the lid in a way of, you know, I came out of college and I was still very much, you know, doe-eyed and, you know, not to say that I'm not positive now or anything, but I had a very naive view, I guess, in a way. Uh, but I don't consider it naive. No, well, I consider it hopeful and optimistic. Well, definitely. Which a lot of people looked at me that way, and I'm like, so I see the best in people, and that's naive? And, like, I think a lot of people yeah. come out here, and they're like, no, I, like, see the opportunities, and I'm not hit with all that negativity yet. That doesn't mean I'm naive sure yeah. no no of course but i i think i was just untested uh, yeah. of being in the world and so since being in los angeles definitely finding sometimes what it feels like when you hit those walls those creative walls personal walls of just i don't know how to continue in this town but then it's also about having those people that hold you accountable uh i think kind of like what you were talking about with your fan um of just sometimes having someone there to check in and know that hey because you're here right next to me i know i can keep on going um i know that i can continue this project uh and things like that daniel i don't know for you um you know you had obviously grown up in dallas uh your whole life and i know you know you came out here uh with your fiance and now wife uh very much in a different place of your life as you know me fresh out of college and stuff i know it was very different for you so can you talk on you know finding your identity or was it already set? I, you know, I think it's funny because um, I, I think it's it's actually finding, it's more about finding the uh, peg that you go into. If you, you know, the the square peg in the round hole or the round peg in the right hole. Um, like Dallas is great. It is great. I, I love my friends there and, and the things I got to do there. But this is definitely more of a city for me. And it felt better in a lot of ways just because you know, by the beach, the creative feeling here was a lot better. Um, definitely a more, I think, kind of like uh, Ali said in the previous episode, a more liberal attitude, a more uh, more open-minded attitude mm -hmm. about things, which is really just, it, it, which adds to that creativity and adds to that ability to explore and, and, and find who you are. And I think another aspect of that idea with L.A. is that it tests your identity. And it tests who you are, who you think you should be, or who you think you are. And you know, if you, especially if you're, you know, if you look at your identity as I'm an actor, that's my identity. Then it tests that because it's hard. It's hard to embrace that here. It's hard to chase that here. And I think it gets to a point where you have to ask yourself: Is this working? Is this who I am? And if you make yourself, is if you if you see yourself as I am actor, not just a actor, then that can be devastating. And so I think it's also a good reminder to know your identity can't be based on what you do. Mm -hmm. It needs to be based on who you are. 
And um, I was listening to another podcast today, uh, Story Matters, with uh, previous guest Kurt Mega. And one of the things he talks about is not letting who you, uh, what you do become who you are also. It was kind of a, a, a topic where he talked about when you ask actors here, including himself, and I'm, I'm on this, when you say, hey, how are you doing? They talk about what they're doing. We we automatically shift yeah. to we go, what well, I've, job I've been is. auditioning, I've been doing this, I just did a voiceover. And he's like, I do the same thing. And I, I know for me, Daniel, I do the same thing. I was like, oh, well, I'm working on this pilot and I'm trying to get this going. But he's like, I don't tell people how I am. I just mm-hmm. tell them what I've been doing. And that's not what they're asking. Now, some people, they don't want to hear, oh, well, I woke up and I stubbed my foot and... I got a really bad break with my car today. Like people don't want to hear that, but some people who are your friends, when they ask you how are you today, they actually want to know how is Michael doing today, sure. not what has Michael done today. Mm-hmm. And so that was just really interesting, and I thought I'd share that with our audience. I do that a lot. I I haven't thought about that, but I do that a lot. People are like, hey, so how have you been? I'm like, I've been really good. I've been working on this thing, and I went here and I did that, and I'm like, well, yeah, but at the same time, that makes me feel good that's a reflection of like my current energy and state Mm -hmm. because if i were to be like oh yeah things are things are good like i just kind of been hanging out like and just you know Mm -hmm. life Mm -hmm. it's like that to me is like a reflection of like things are not good like things are like stagnant things something's (laughs) going on like that's uh and then you start crying yeah (laughs) (laughs) i haven't won a new car in days i know (laughs) um i think what's really important though is that um people when they come out to la and they have this idea of themselves and then they go through all this these trials and they come out maybe something different that may be something more defined and what they think they are, but that may be something completely different. Like, I've known people who come out here who um, suddenly, like, they're, I want to be a casting director. Yeah. And that's okay. That my One of my idols, Tim Ferriss, um, has an amazing podcast. Um, <laughs> check it out. <laughs> he, um, he said in my favorite book, The 4-Hour Workweek, that putting your dream on indefinite hold is not giving up. You can pick up your dream at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, if something else comes along that intrigues you, that feels more compelling, it's okay to go and challenge that and do that and try that. Um, I feel like a lot of people come out here and they're like, it's giving up because I decided acting's really not what I want to do. Or I really don't want to be a director anymore. I like to write. And I think that's a lot of people need to be told that's okay. Absolutely. And in this town, there's... Yeah, you come in with a tunnel vision of, I only want to do this. Sometimes that's very limiting. Because if you just came out here thinking that you're only going to be an actress, you know, would you have become this cosplayer, business owner, you know, guru? No, like you would have maybe just been disappointed if that was your only path. Um, so I think it's always wonderful how this town can also present to you opportunities to explore other aspects and test you. Like, maybe you want to try this. You'll sometimes learn that you're good at it. Sometimes you do, you're you maybe not so good at it. Mm-hmm. But you get that experience along the way. I think um, you kind of, going on kind of what you said a little bit about how if you, you not, not giving up doesn't mean failing and it doesn't mean you're, you, you can't go back to it. Um, you kind of said failure. I think failure is also a big thing here in L.A. where people take their negatives and make it a part of who they are as well. Where it's like, I I failed, I'm a failure. That is my identity, is I'm a failure. And, you know, 
it's hopefully you know there's also that new attitude of like failing is not bad you can learn from failure you can take something uh, failing is just a thing it's not who you are you are never a failure you are if you're living you're breathing you're a good person you talk to people you 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 do what you want to do you do what you love you're not a failure you're you're you you have failed at something and that's okay and i think that's a thing to remember is don't to bring things on to you or to your identity that don't need to be there that are unnecessary mm. don't bring on not making an audition a part of you it's just a thing that happened well so often actors are just told by casting directors and everything to risk to fail go in and try something maybe you won't get the role but maybe you'll have made such an interesting choice that the casting director may remember you or you know, casting directors are there for hours and hours and hours. You come in with this fresh new perspective and you just dare to do something. And all of a sudden, that's what they've been looking for. And so not not saying go in and just all of a sudden do jumping jacks or something like that if the scene doesn't call for it. But to just embrace the idea that it's at the end of the day, it is just an audition, you know, and this is an opportunity for you to grow and for you to show them who you are. It's just one audition of yes. a thousand auditions. And that's the thing. If you go in to your first, your second, your third audition with this grandiose feeling of this is it. This is the one. And that doesn't work out. That's going to have a huge effect on you. What you need to do is go, this is a job interview. This is another job interview. I'm going to go in and luckily I can have several job interviews and several jobs go in thinking that this is just one of many opportunities Mm -hmm. not this is it well and then you'll have you know just as you were talking about earlier um about sometimes you might go in and then you find out that hey acting is maybe not your calling we had a a previous guest on the episode jazz trice uh one of my friends from college we we did shows together i knew him as an actor and as a writer and you know we moved down to the city together and he went out on his first audition for um uh uh, little shop of horrors mm. and he went in and he that was his experience of just being in the audition and he saw that there was someone in the audience who had clearly been cast as for the role that he was going out for and that was just his waking call of you know what i don't want to be on this side of the table i want to be involved in production and now he's a casting director for unscripted television you know and it's just like you have that aha moment. Sometimes don't look at that as a failure. Look at that as an opportunity of, oh, maybe this isn't clicking with me anymore. Let me try something else. And sometimes not looking at it as a closed door, but as a, hey, look onto the next thing. What, mm-hmm. what else is coming on down the line? What else are you interested in? Yeah, going back to um, the risk-taking a fun story, um, which I told you guys a little bit of You earlier. did Jumping Jacks in an audition that didn't call for it? Kind yes. of. Yes. Um, so I I had an audition for Honda, and the audition was for a balloon artist. I taught myself balloon art um, like I don't know, like a year earlier when I did a birthday party for Tosca Musk, like Elon Musk's sister, oh, like nice. Tosca the director. Wow. And okay. Her, um, her twin children, which were adorable. So um, I really wanted to do that party. So I learned balloon art so I could be the one at that party rather than a professional balloon artist. And I was like, 
she wanted a princess she wanted also balloon artist let me say hey i'll give you a good deal i'll give you the balloon art with the princess she's like awesome I'm like oh my gosh i gotta learn balloon art and perform for the masks <laughs> okay great um so i also need a car <laughs> give me one give me give me give. please i was like please elon please show up um or first ticket to mars <laughs> <laughs> you can tip me in a ticket to mars you did such good balloon animals you're getting a ticket to mars yay that's how elon must talk. you'll be the first to make balloon animals on mars, mars. <laughs> Uh, copyright. We're writing the movie. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. So um, I knew probably, I think I know like five things to do in balloon art. Um, and I was like, you know, I see these people showing up to this audition that have like, they're obviously professionals. And I was like, you know what? Oh well. Like, they're probably only going to need me to do one thing on camera. And that's going to be it. It's a 30-second commercial. Like, give me a break. And so I was like, all right, how do I, like, sell myself to Honda? I was like, it is spring. It's probably going to be a summer spot. I'm going to wear this uh, cute dress. Um, I'm going to make a little, like, little thing to hold my balloons in so I look legit. Okay, cool. And I was like, what else can I do? I was like, roller skates? No, that's too much. And I was like, oh, my balloon matches my hair. I could just put it on top of my head. So <laughs> I made a balloon dog, and I pulled up my hair in little pieces, um, just up out of my face, and I put pins in the balloon dog and pinned it to the top of my head. <laughs> and I walked into the audition completely confident in my choice to do this, and she was like, all right. The casting director, the assistant casting director was like, all right, cool, whatever, and went with it. Um, I got a call back like later that day, I was like, okay, great, cool, they like me. And I was like, okay, here we go. I went into the callback. I was one of, I think, four. They had two girls and two guys. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, odds are my favorite, cool. And one of the other, like, female was the professional. But she mm-hmm. was so serious. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. I was like, I got to go in and, like, show me. I got to show me. So I walked in. And um, I walked into the balloon animal on my head, one already made, and I'm just like smiling and happy. And as soon as I walk in, somebody, and one of the 10 people from Honda, I hear them say, oh, she's perfect. <laughs> and wow. they were like, we love your hair. Like, and I made a complete fool of myself in that audition. It was a train wreck, but I laughed the whole time. They said, hey, Allie, like, we just want to see what you can do. Um, Just look over this way and pretend like the kid's over here. I'm like, cool. And, um, yeah, just you don't have to talk if you don't want to, which to me was like, please talk. Please. (laughs) Like, that's what that said to me as a casting director was like, we're not going to ask you to talk because it's not actually in the commercial. Here's this challenge to overcome. Yeah, yeah, but, like, you're just going to make balloon animals. Please don't make it awkward while we're just sitting here watching you. Like, squeak, 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 squeak. The guy, like, drops his phone. Sorry, sorry. Squeak, 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 squeak. So I stood there and I said, okay, I'm going to tell you a story. And I proceeded to tell them how I won a car on a game show, but I loved my Honda Fit so much that I sold the other car. I've had my Honda for going on 11 years. It's the first car that I bought. My family's a Honda family. And said, and I'm great with kids too. I have this company. I can like really work with kids really well. I know a few things that, like balloon art, but it, you know, here we go. I can, I can do this. So I just like talked my way up and through the whole um, thing. But while I was telling the story, I was popping balloon 
after balloon. <laughs> I don't think I made a complete balloon creature <laughs> in that audition. But they laughed with me mm-hmm. the whole time. And um, at the end, near the end, they're like, it's okay, Allie. We know you can twist balloons. <laughs> and I said, okay, cool. It's like, because this is the saddest flower <laughs> I've ever seen. And at the end, I just was like, hey, do you guys want some? I'm not going to do anything with them. Because one of them was like, can we have one? And I'm like, yeah, here you go. And I just walked up to this panel of 10 people. Oh, wow. Like, no no line with me. Like, we were people together. And I said, here, would you like this flower bracelet? And she's like, yeah. She was kind of taken aback, but she took it. And I was like, here you guys go. Thanks so much. See you later. And just left. And I was like, well, that went well, I think. I made a fool of myself. Who knows? And I booked it. Mm. I just was yeah. like, you know what? I'm going to break all the rules, but I'm going to be me. And show them what makes me, me. Yeah. Well, the biggest thing that I, I was going to say that I'm taking away from that is that you just went in and was just yourself. Yeah. You you went in. I don't know really how to do balloon animals or anything like that, but you were just you. And even in through the performance, you were just telling personal stories about yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of things actors can sometimes get freaked out about mm-hmm. is that we're very uncomfortable just being ourselves. And I, w- part of my biggest learn since being in L.A. is learning to be comfortable with that. Because so often our actors growing up doing theater where you're always portraying someone else and putting on different um, layers of character on yourself. Whereas down here, it's all about just being yourself. Yep. And, you know, and just embracing that. It's enough so that even if you're messing up balloon after uh, balloon, they're, they're enthralled by just you. Just because you are comfortable with yourself and you're engaging and you're confident in who you are, not necessarily maybe what it is, the balloon animal. It was a bad day. I can make five things. I can do them well. But that was a bad balloon day. And, um, we've all yeah, had bad balloon days. We've all had bad balloon days. Yes, we have. <laughs> yeah, I think it just, that was the big thing for me with talking about identity and bringing it back to that. When I came out here, I thought I knew who I was, but I also was taking what I was and filtering that through what I thought casting directors wanted to see of me. And so you were trying, trying to be someone else that... Kind of. I was trying to be what them. they wanted. Yeah. And I was like, these are the headshots they want. This is the type of energy that they want. These are the characters they want. And after a while, I was like, why is this not feeling right? And then I just kind of was like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to, you know, crash auditions. I'm going to make a fool of myself. I'm going to show them my personality. I'm going to dye my hair blue. Like, I'm going to be me. And what's great about that is I am the only one of me. And it takes a lot of time in L.A. for you to get to that point where you're like, I'm okay being me. And realize that I don't have to compete with all these people who have the same type of headshot from the same uh, photographer and are going for the same, like, I'm a sweet girl next door. It's like, oh, no, I'm a lot of things. I'm me. And there's no one else like that. Mm, absolutely. I was just going to say, I, th- I just think that is so unique. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in that stage right now where I'm just learning to just be me a little bit. And that, and that, that is enough. Mm-hmm. Um, because so, yeah, so often have I, I've had those moments where I go into an audition and I can just think of one where I, it was a commercial spot. I really wanted it because the pay would have been really nice and stuff. And I was coming from a place of scarcity and that bled through into my audition. I wasn't, I was so booked on what the result of that audition could have been that I wasn't prepared when I walked into the room. The lines just left my brain and I was just 
I kept, you know, dropping the paper and it was just a, a mess. And that was an experience that I needed to just say, what am I doing? I, I should not be freaking out about this. I should not be forcing myself to be someone else. I just need to go in and be me. And that sometimes you need a waking up call. Now, in the previous episode, you also talked your journey into cosplay um, was also very much a thing where you were just yourself and you kind of said yes to an opportunity of going to a con that was the Long Beach mm-hmm. uh, Comic Con and you kind of discovered this whole new community of course you were just going in being yourself you weren't sure if you were going to be accepted Yeah. but obviously you went into this community where everyone's dressing up and everything like that I don't know if you want to talk a bit more about you know your journey into cosplay and you know, embracing that part of yourself. Um, there was a turning point, I think, at WonderCon, which was my first convention, mm-hmm. um, when I realized there was competition involved. Um, I'm very, like, competitive. Um, I enjoy it. Um, I think it pushes me to, like, really try new things, and um, it's healthy for me anyways. <laughs> um, and so I was like, oh, my God, there's a competition I'm going to enter. And so I entered in the contest. Didn't get diddly squat. Um, and looking back on the costume, I'm like, I totally could have done stuff different, but I was really proud of it at the time. Um, and that was like my, like, Hey, like this community has a lot to offer. And when I came with that dress that I made and started like to get to know people and see, um, other cosplayers who were bigger and what they were doing, I was like, I want that. I was like, I want to do photo shoots all the time and make cool costumes and travel fun places. (laughs) Like, Yes. I'm like, that sounds great. <laughs> um, and that's, I made the correlation the other week, too. Um, it was like this, like, aha moment. I was like, that's one of the things I look for in acting. Um, and one of the reasons why I went into film versus theater, I want to travel. I want to dress up. I, I want to play cool characters. And um, cosplay does all that, and it also taps into my, my desire to create. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gives a little bit more. So, yeah, it's, it does a lot for me. I really enjoy cosplay. So uh, this may be something that you, you'll speak more than, obviously, we can, uh, but I think you also have a lot of friends that do cosplay, a lot of uh, female friends that do cosplay, so I'm sure you can kind of share some of their insights also out of this. Um, I, I found something online, because, you know, where people love to write hateful <laughs> things, uh-huh. um, and I'm going to try to paraphrase and shorten it, because it's, it's just a good-sized paragraph, but basically he goes, uh, 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 he goes, I'm not saying that all uh, cosplayers are attention uh, whores, but why is it so hard for people to admit that some cosplayers are? Whenever I say anything about this, I immediately get slammed with how dare you slut shame me. The fake geek girl idea doesn't exist, or this is just how cosplay is. They're getting into character. I understand that some characters are naturally sexy, but dressing up as a sexed up Pikachu and doing fake girl on girl fan service with poison ivy in front of guys with cameras has nothing to do with the characters. I'm sick of seeing cosplay girls on Facebook post random cleavage pics in a wig and then act surprised when guys leave flirty comments. I'm so tired of the oblivious innocent act. I feel like these type of cosplayers are turning cosplay into a contest of who can show the most bu- uh, most boob instead of who actually has the best craftsmanship. Um, I found a lot of that stuff. A lot of uh, heat on um, the more sexified versions of characters that people are creating in the cosplay world. Um, and I also found where some people were like, you know, uh, uh, 
a lot of women just want attention from their cosplay and it's not about the characters are fake and things like that well um have you ever dealt with that kind of reaction from your stuff or any of your friends or um you know how what is your take on that that opinion Sure. Um, well, to answer one thing real quick. Yeah, um, I asked five questions. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> um, yes, I have received some, like, backlash, especially from my um, schoolgirl, Ariel. So uh, my concept was that was to make sexy versions and provocative versions of the Disney princesses. And um, I knew what I was doing. I was like, I saw what the um, slave, like, princesses did. The... Um, Princess Leia Disney mashup. And that's my friend Jessica Chancellor, made of Might. Um, she's awesome. Check her out on Instagram. <laughs> and so I was like, that's really smart. It was my favorite thing before I ever knew what cosplay really was. I saw a picture of her as um, Slave Ariel, and I was like, that's so cool. I love that. It's sexy. It's fun. It's two different worlds together. I love it. I watched as she blew up. Like, she's now huge. And that's what really started her. And I'm like, I know what I want to get out of this. I want to get the attention. That's mm-hmm. what I'm doing. It's like I am using this style, this thing that I came up with, as a way for me to get to where I want to go. Um, I think a lot of people have a hard time admitting that, um, but it's totally okay. Like, you know, do what makes you happy. Like, it's totally fine if you are like Jessica Negri and you're really big into butts and you like like doing all that kind of like fun stuff. Mm-hmm. There's also Patreon, too where a lot of people on there will do the more provocative stuff when people pay for it. And it's kind of towing the line, but, you know, it's their choice. It's their body, you know. You don't have to follow. You don't have to to watch. Um, you don't have to look. Yeah, and a really interesting happened at Northern FanCon this, um, this other, I think it was like two weeks ago now, um, when I went up to Canada for my first convention where I was a guest. It was me, um, Leanna Vamp, Andy Ray, and um, Ansley Bircher, who pigtails power tools. So Ansley, she is um, very conservative, and her cosplays are really amazing. There are lots of big builds and craftsmanships and you know, lots of detail. So um, the rest of us, though, are you know, pretty good at what we do. We make really cool stuff, but it is sexier. We're okay with showing our skin. And um, I was right next to Ansley in my booth, and it was so fascinating and kind of intimidating to see the attention she was getting when I was standing next to her in my sexy, fun Nuka Girl, which is lots of good craftsmanship in that, but sexy. And my, mm-hmm. by my choice to make it a little bit sexier because I want to show those things. I'm, you know, I feel more comfortable and powerful and confident when I um, you know, have my stomach showing, which I'm really proud of, and I wear a push-up bra, which makes me feel a little bit more comfortable with my silhouette. And then I'm standing next to her in her Metroid Samus suit, which is stunning, which I saw, you know, the year before Anime Expo, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Um, And seeing the attention she gets to the craftsmanship is like, oh, I got up my game. Like, oh yeah, okay. Um, And I think the, the sexiness can, you know, seem like it's taking away from the craftsmanship, but the ones who do a good job, who become big and like you know and hear about make good stuff um and they just choose like the ones that get the most attention are the ones that just happen to be showing more cleavage mm-hmm. and things like that it doesn't mean that they have any less skill mm-hmm. per se 
I, I found another one. Speaking of Jessica Negri that you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, she makes um, such good stuff. Pretty oh much, uh, it says ever so a few years. Jessica Negri showed up at some con dressed as Pikachu, except it was nothing but a bikini and hot pants with a t- giant tail on it, and it made cosplay mainstream, is what this guy says. Um, now, a large quali- quantity of cos- cosplayer- cosplayers, uh, Lindsay Elise, Meg Turney, are essentially just models who cosplay on the side as part of a new trend. Um, they're usually n- known for taking characters redesigning their looks to have their uh, uh, upper their boobs or their butt to hanging out, and can also be referred to as booth girls without losing much in the terminology switch. Uh, so, do you, as the, he asked, I guess the board, do you as fans think the integrity is important to the cosplay, or that sex sex appeal for the sake of sex appeal is okay? If like Negri and some others are actually into uh, gaming and, and other things as well. And and just to clarify, th- this is a guy. These are I I, I, I or, can't say they're guys. I don't. I these were on boards. Okay. These were on message boards of people talking about cosplayers, things like that. Because I know out there there are those ideas of you know the fight between when you know people that love that and the people that think it belittles the cosplay or the the characters themselves. And well, so that's kind of why I'm bringing it up. It's just so interesting though because I feel like one thing that I just love about the cosplay community it's just. And people embracing these characters that we all have a collective love and passion for, but that individual is putting their own artistic spin, mm-hmm. their own individual personification of that character. And so I think it's very strange when you get this backlash of like, oh, they're doing, you know, they're discouraging our beloved interpretation of this character. And for me, it's like none of us own these individual characters. We don't. We don't all own Batman or this specific version of Batman. Um, anyone can have their own interpretation of it. Uh, right. Yeah, that's just my natural reaction off mm-hmm. of that. And to, just real quick, I just want to share my last one before we just kind of get off the quotes. Hopefully, <laughs> um, I also found a list that was uh, uh, again a little harsher language than we usually. Use, sorry, but uh, 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 twenty-six ways to know she's a slut. And number twenty-one is into cosplay. Dressing up like sexy versions of cartoons and video game characters is a little more than a thinly veiled form of sexual attention seeking from men, is what the person writes. Uh, apparently he had 25 ways of knowing their slut and then added one uh, later on. So he's building. Uh, he had a 24s, I guess, the year before. So he's building every year. Um, um, so just both of those take, you know, because one's more, uh, again, about the sexual attention and and trying to... I guess be sexualizing those things more than most people see them as. Well, um, I like to look at the other side of it. I mean, people can sexualize and that gets the attention, but what happens when somebody makes a um, a Renaissance version of Snow White? Mm-hmm. Like that's something completely different. Nobody gets upset about that, but it's the same concept of taking um, a character that you love. And making it your own. I mean, Adam Savage speaks highly of cosplayers and loves going to cons. And he'll he he'll make amazing pieces and he'll make them his own too. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's I think it's totally fine to like do what you want. There's um, I mean, Lindsay Elise. I I know her. She was a judge of mine on Call to Cosplay, and um, yeah, she does have a large chest and she does like to take pictures of it and um. And post them on her Instagram and things, and it's like, whatever. Like, um, I I want to ask you guys, like, what is it that you would want to see? Like, what defines a cosplayer then? Mm-hmm. Like, isn't a cosplayer someone who's a fan of something who dresses up? 
Yeah, who's passionate about this character. Yeah, and if, you know, they do game. They do, you know, watch these shows and these movies. Like, so they're just choosing their own way of um, showing their fandom. It doesn't make them any less than. Well, and who... Who should be the judge of like judging one's, uh, you know, fan love of this character over another? Like, yeah. and that's kind of my response to the, some of those quotes is just, why do you get? Why does that person, I guess, get to be the judge on this entire community of people and judge these individuals' passions for these characters? Like, uh. well, I, I think one thing I was going to kind of uh, taking a little bit of what both of you said. I think the 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 responsibility isn't on the cosplayer. It's on the person perceiving the cosplayer. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, you, you're sitting there in like, let's say, you know, a sexy poison out, ivy outfit, and then someone walks up with a beautiful, giant, like, android, you know, uh, robot cosplay, and you're just in awe because it looks so great, and the craftsmanship is, is amazing. It's the perception. You're perceiving that in a different way than someone is, you know, people can go, like, I'm going to look at sexy girls. I'm going to go to look at girls half-naked. That's what I want. That is my mission. But if your mission is, I just want to see somebody that just took their time and made something awesome. Or like, who, you know to, what I mean? Or who put in the time to just create their own interpretation right. of it. Well, I mean, yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. It's all in perception. If you're looking at that and just seeing um, the skin, mm-hmm. then you're missing the point. You're not looking at what the idea is and what they're trying to get out of it. Yeah, uh, my friend Amber Arden, she's about to hit 100,000 followers. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've never seen that girl's stomach. Um, And I just recently saw her in an accidentally a little bit more revealing top uh, with one of her dresses. She makes, um, like, Harajuku and, like, 70s, not 70s, 50s versions, like, little dapper Mm. outfits. It's super cute, super wholesome. People love her for it, and she has a following for it. And, I mean, people will follow what they want to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, the boobs and butt is just one of the things. Um, there are plenty of cosplayers out there who make amazing huge builds, and they never show any, you know, obscene parts of their body. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, yeah, I that, that, that's my thought on that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, lastly, moving on. Uh, <laughs> we've talked about a lot about, like, you know, cosplaying is, is, is a thing you do separately. It's who you are. Acting is the same thing. You're the brand. You're the, you're the business. Um, you have your own business, Allie, in the sense of the princess and me parties. Um, you know, I, I want to kind of talk about branding yourself. Um, what it takes to, you know, make yourself a product. And... Again, kind of going back, this kind of all goes in with identity. Like, you know, making sure you don't lose yourself as a product to where you become the product and you become this fake, I'm always the product, you know. Um, And also kind of like the do's and don'ts of marketing yourself and branding yourself Mm -hmm. as well. Things that are probably hazardous to your your brand if you do it or you don't do it or, you know, what things in the modern age do we have to do? that maybe we don't want to do, but it's just part of where we live now. Well, I, th- I think it's just interesting because, I don't know, coming from theater and just my background as an actor, it was very difficult for me for a while here in L.A. to get into the thinking of thinking of yourself as a specific brand, of thinking of yourself as a specific type. Because, again, you 
grew up thinking like you can play all these characters and you know it's think about you know not being you and then you come to this town and it is it's a it's an entertainment business where you know you have to think about these certain things so it's taken me a long time to uh manage my brand or at least come into understanding of that and a lot of it is asking industry professionals and as well as friends who are willing to be honest with you of saying hey what's my type Mm -hmm. and it took me a long time for me to understand that i'm the nerd with a secret i'm your best friend nerdy best friend who has a secret (laughs) what's the secret wouldn't you like to know (laughs) but and, and but i i'm very interested to hear ali your experience of managing and creating your brand because it obviously very successful you also have your own business and everything like that of what what further steps do you keep on going to not once you understand your brand how do you then implement that into marketing or into an overall strategy um it's really interesting because as i'm thinking about my my response i'm realizing that i've changed my brand many times Mm -hmm. um there was a moment when i was a redhead and a three-year moment when I was a redhead. <laughs> and um, I got a lot of the same roles over and over again. And I realized, like, okay, I figured out my brand. My brand is I'm the bold one. Like, bold is the big word. I That falls into being the lesbian. That falls into being the villain. That can do a couple of different things. But I am bold. Like, mm-hmm. that is my thing. I think that's kind of stuck through in a different, like, couple different versions of me in my time in L.A. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, like, made sure that reflected in my photos. And I kind of carried a different kind of way of walking and talking when I was, like, in my auditions, too. Mm. So, yeah, my brand has changed a bunch over the years. And, and it's kind of come out of, like, boredom sometimes um, where I'm like, okay, I'm done playing all these roles. I'm like, I know I can do that. I can always just dump a bucket of red on my head and be back to redhead and be fine. Um, but, like, I also want to explore other things and um, give that a try. Like, I was blonde for a second. Now I'm all sorts of fun colors and see what happens. Um, it's it's a fun game for me to figure out, like, okay, like, who am I with this hair color? But you're, but you're not... A- you're not afraid of taking that choice, of taking that risk, because I feel like so many actors, and I know I myself can attest to this, you can be scared of changing your look, or, you know, I'm tired of playing this kind of role, but it's getting me consistent work, you know, uh, but I can go ahead and shift, and it's okay, my career will continue. Because I can, like, see you in certain things because of the color of your hair, and so that's what it's like, that helps your brand in a lot of ways. If you have something poignant it'll help Mm -hmm. people remember things you were in but i think it's sometimes it's it's interesting though to hear that as an artist yes you have to be consistent with your brand and you've you even just said that there are certain elements that are still essential to you that come out no matter what hair color you are you are right but that it's easy to become for something to feel stale right like you've played this type of character so many different ways and your artist heart in you just hey i want to do something new i want to grow i want to experience something else so sometimes it takes changing your look to do that and not being afraid to do that yeah i have so many people come up to me and like i love your hair i could never do that and i'm like you could you realize it's just one trip to the salon I'm like yeah but then i have to change this and that and this and i'm like 
But if it's calling to you, if you want to try it, like try it. You can always go back. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's just a matter of just hitting undo and you know putting the color back on, and you're there. You have the old headshots. What's there to lose? Um, I went crazy colors for Burning Man, and they're supposed to be temporary, and they didn't wash out, and I just ran with it. <laughs> um, so, oh no! Oh no! Uh. Yeah, and I definitely lost my uh, modeling contract eventually, but they were okay with it at first. They're like, well, let's give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't doing anything for me at the time anyway, so it didn't make a difference. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think a lot of people are afraid to change. Mm. Um, and that also comes if you're like trying to force yourself to be a specific thing, and you're not. And people are like, well, I don't know. Maybe it's just I'm waiting for that one thing. Or maybe it takes trying something different. I think another thing about knowing your brand is knowing your fans mm-hmm. and knowing who would be fans of you. Because if you're trying to get, especially in the social media realm, if you're trying to garnish some sort of following on Instagram or on Facebook, you need to know who, what does your thing target. So again, it's knowing your brand backwards and forwards. What is this podcast? What is Hollywood Hustle? Who are we going to reach? Who's going to listen to our show and want to listen to another episode? Mm-hmm. Who, you know, who's going to go look at a picture of Ali on Instagram and want to slide over to see another picture of Ali on Instagram? Who's going to see her story pop up and want to push it to watch her story? You know, I think that's something that you have to always, you know, it's it's a very analytical thing of building your brand. It's mm-hmm. really and you have to really break it down of these are who I'm chasing. Where do I find them? What does 21 to 35 something people like? What brands do they like? So if they like, you know, Nike, cool, let me be fans with Nike. When somebody replies they got new Nike shoes, go, oh, that's awesome, man. That's great. Are you going to wear those to any auditions? Mm-hmm. Like, did you buy that to be any kind of character? Like, you know, responding and reacting to those people when they touch something that fits into your bubble of your brand, you know, like that. But I think it's also important, though, like, to obviously know what your brand is and to be able to pursue that and be consistent with that, but also not forget about, you know, you you can be the exact brand that the casting director wants, but you need the talent to back it up. And so I don't know if you've ever heard of any scenarios of like, you know, this person has this specific look, but they go on set or something like that and it falls apart. Yeah, actually, um, when I was a redhead, and I still do feel this desire that I'll eventually, like, when I'm, like, 35, like, hit my stride. And um, it's, I really want to be a female powerhouse and the idea of, like, an Aaron Brockovich kind of type. Mm-hmm. Someone who's just that epitome of bold and powerful. And then also um, House of Cards. Um, uh, Robin Wright? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Like, I love that. I... Went. I won't mention the casting director, um, but I went into a casting director workshop once, and I did a scene, and he looked to me and said, I don't believe it. I don't believe women can be powerful. And I was like, I am never watching your show again. I am keeping my mouth shut right now, and I'm not going to listen to anything you say wow. next. Yeah. And it was really shocking, but at the same time, I was like, what is he saying, though? And I listened to him a little bit more. And he said, what I'm hearing doesn't match what I'm seeing. And I'm like, okay, all right, I get that. 
I get that. And that's also why I felt like comfortable, like taking a little time off to develop my company. Cause I was in that weird kind of like, what are you in college or what are you, what are you doing? Like, what is, what do I put you in? Mm-hmm. And I'm in that in between spot. And I was like, that's okay. Like I'll eventually hit my stride with something like might as well kind of still work on acting, but also get something else going that can give me control of my schedule, which is in my income, which is what my business did. But, um, yeah, eventually I do want to be that, that powerhouse. Mm-hmm. And it came to be like, okay, well, what am I now? Like I, I am, you know, a Silicon Valley type. I, you know, I work at Google, you know, kind of thing. I, um, I maybe am like a young mom, maybe, I don't know, like a cool mom, like, you know, like, you know. The cool mom that dyes her hair. Yeah. The mom on Mars. (laughs) Yeah. Or maybe I'm like um, that really innovative environmentalist hipster kind of type who's trying to change the world. Like, it really like made me look like, well, who am I now? Like, yeah, I can still do all those things and be all those things eventually, but let me find who I am now Mm -hmm. and make sure that reflects in my look. Um... Yeah, I have a friend who is trying to um, be young and hip, and he's going to be a perfect, um, like, a Disney dad someday. Mm-hmm. And I see that. And he can still do a lot of the younger hip things, and he does them really well. And it's just like, I see this stride with you coming. And um, it takes a lot of, like, self-reflection and evaluation to be like, okay, this is what I, I am right now and what I want to be, and it's not all lining up, but let me – find a way to make it line up right now and work for me. Yeah. And that can sometimes, it's a very emotional thing to delve inside oneself and really evaluate who you are. Because we all want to, like, you know, think of me like, I want to think of myself as the leading man and things like that. And, of course, we have that dream, but then we also have to be realistic, you know, of knowing what the industry is looking at. I'm five foot six. That's big, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to be climbing up a huge mountain if I really want to keep on being the leading man and being five foot six. There are actors out there like Tom Cruise, you know, who are on the shorter end, but they work, they work a lot to make themselves the leading man, right? With Tom Cruise with all of his stunts and everything like that. Or I can just look inward and realize who I'm, who am I? What am I naturally interested in? And what kind of parts are there out there in the industry that resonate with those parts of my personality and who I am. And yeah, sometimes it, one can look at it and think, oh, why can't I do that? Well, look at it as an opportunity to embrace all these other roles that people aren't looking at because they all want to be the leading man. I'm just imagining like when you go into an audition where you aren't like that's not your top tier, as mm-hmm. I call it, like you're not top tier leading man, but you go in against other people who are top tier leading man. Mm-hmm. Like why waste your time? Yeah. Like why not go into an audition where you can hit it out of the park and be that best friend, that smart man, the guy at the computer who's, you know, helping the leading man. Like why like why not go and kill it with that? Mm-hmm. And, like, be really, like, honest with yourself and be like, yeah, I can do this really well. I can also do this. And you may walk into that audition and be like, oh, he would be a really good leading man. Yeah. Let me give him it, a try. It's taking that risk, right? Yeah. Of, like, you know, we've been seeing six-foot-tall, you know, big strapping guys all day long. And then in comes maybe someone else. And that's just a different idea. Dustin Hoffman? Yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. You know, or... I'm just even thinking about someone like Robin Williams who became so known as a specific crazy zany type, but then all of a sudden he took that moment in his career of 
shifting to playing Patch uh, Adams. Patch yeah. Adams or um, one hour photo. Oh. You know, and it's you you can get and so that's a perfect example of like honing in on an exact specific type and reaching a certain amount of success so that when you're at that level, you can leap off and take those bold and, you know, unusual choices that people might not normally see you as, but you can do it. Mm-hmm. It takes getting to a certain level um, of like epitomizing on your pigeonhole spot before you can be like, all right, now I can make those choices. Like I always joked, I was like, someday I'll be able to like cut my hair short. And that day will come when people don't cast me based on my look, but my talent. And it's going to take some time to get there. Um, but in the meantime, I need to be very marketable. And to me, that comes in the form of long hair with currently what my type is. Mm-hmm. And, um, and just kind of like, like, well, yeah, I can still do those things. There's plenty of time. Mm-hmm. Well, and th- plenty of time. So often, are, I feel like, especially in L.A., we're always racing against time. Whether it's traffic, you know, but it's also, there's that element of why isn't it happening now? It's so easy to be caught up in feeling like we're running late to our own success rather than just being in it for the journey and understanding, no, my stride will come, right? Like, as you were just saying, it's going to come. Mm -hmm. And rather than trying to work hard and race against it or something like that, just relax be yourself and embrace just being present. I'm going to kind of take off what you said about like kind of taking off the why isn't this happening now? This should be happening now. I'm so good. I'm so talented. Why isn't this happening now? To kind of the next part of this, which is going to close it out, um, the do's and don'ts of marketing yourself. Again, you're your only employee. Mm-hmm. You screw up. You can't go. It was Todd and marketing, not me. We fired him. We're good. You know, it was it was you. You did it. You messed up. And I think one of the biggest don'ts that I have that I see a lot, especially in this town, is don't live in your own personal talent bubble where you think I'm the greatest, I'm the best. Yeah, you may be talented. You may have a ton of talent. And that is fantastic. Bravo. Congratulations. (laughs) But don't live in this bubble where you can't take criticism. You Mm. can't take critiques. You can't, you can't, you, you can't understand why someone may not follow you on Instagram because you made a rant about how great you were as James the First in some play, but nobody saw it and people were giving you bad reviews and they all stink. They're wrong. You know, you've you got to remember, especially again, bring up social media because it's so present today of, you know, everything you say, everything you do is seen nowadays. Mm-hmm. You, you, if you Facebook, if you Twitter, if you Instagram, everything is seen by th- millions of people. And if you are a brand, you yourself as a human being are a brand, there's a casting director out there that sees your resume, goes on your Facebook, goes on your Twitter, goes on your Instagram. And if there's something on there that they don't, if you say something that as a general concept is not widely accepted, that, that could hurt you. Mm-hmm. Well, a big do and don't for me is do have a personal um, Instagram that is private and separate and don't post those radical, like controversial thoughts on your public page. Um, I have my private one that I keep to close friends and um, I will share and I'll encourage to have like controversial conversation because I'll be like, wanting for it because there's certain things that I'm like you know what 
Like, I don't have to talk with these strangers, these fans, about this topic. Like, Mm -hmm. and I don't really, I mean, nothing personal, but I don't really care. Mm -hmm. Um, The ones I want to have a full-out conversation with are the people who are very close to me and who I care about their opinions, and I know they can possibly, and like, inflict upon me. So Mm -hmm. it's like, my big thing is like, have those separate worlds mm-hmm. and just keep them separate. Um, that's that's my big thing. Uh, one question I have for both of you, because Daniel, I know one of your vision goals for this year is to just be, not be more vocal, mm-hmm. um, but but to speak up, yeah, I guess, right? Yeah, like absolutely. to be more present in conversation yeah, and absolutely. stuff um, in, on social media and, you know, mm-hmm. just going out there and making your voice heard. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm that I'm someone who I kind of suffer from self-editing. Sometimes, I, you know, I'm, I'm composing a tweet that I want to say or like with my opinion or there's so many posts that I want to share on Facebook. But somehow it's like, you know, or the Hamlet effect of where you start questioning all the things of, about this post and it causes you to delete that and then delete that and then delete that. And then by the end of it, you've just given up and you don't end up posting that thought. So want to hear about how you guys can like you know how you speak to your fans and daniel how i speak you, to my fans how Hello you speak fans. to your fans <laughs> well uh, it was just of you know taking that moment yeah. to say you know what no i'm putting my voice out there um whether it's on your you know uh your your pr- professional page or your personal pages you know not of not of not being afraid to put your voice out yeah. there i i have i have one and i've broken it once or twice i try not to but sometimes you get in that moment you don't I really try not to get into political-based or um, morality-based arguments. Um, I try not to comment on those posts. I try not to... If I do, it's usually asking a question because I don't know what's happening or I haven't heard about what's going on yet. Or, you're you're you know, wanting to get I'm their getting inside, informa- see, just see getting where they're coming from. Yeah, get, get their side of it, get their information. That's more what I'm interested in is just seeing why does this person feel this way and why does this other person feel this way. But I really try hard not to, and especially in the climate nowadays, it's very hard not to. Um, but I really, I think that's my, that's my don't or do slash don't. I don't go on there to start anything. If I do go on there, if I do say something, it's usually because I want to start a conversation. I don't want to fight with anybody. I love all the people that I'm friends with. I don't want to. I don't want to lose a friend over something that's not even related to us in any way. A lot of times, mm-hmm. but you know, people get so heated about their opinions that it's hard for them especially again social media you know it's like texting if i i can text one thing without any punctuation and you can read it 30 different ways and so so much of it is people applying their own interpretation mm-hmm. and i've had that several times where i've texted something and someone would go wow that was kind of mean and i'm like that's what, what wait what <laughs> no like it's not what i oh oh my god there was, no no that was no it wasn't supposed to be like that at all and so I try very hard to stay away from morality or political stuff like that for that reason. And if I do, it's usually I'm sharing some sort of information and commenting on the article. Very little do I ever go, well, you're wrong and this is what it's about. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's my biggest piece of advice in, um, with communicating in a format where it's just writing is to be super clear mm-hmm. um, and even be like, you know, emoji if you want, or um, even being like, this is sarcastic, like stating what your intent is. 
but also being very careful with that stuff because it could be taken a different way. Um, so whatever you do decide to post that's maybe a little like, you know, thought provoking, make sure it's super clear and can be taken just the one way that you intend. I also have heard from other people that um, make sure your entire thought and argument is posted at the same time. Because um, mm. when you post one like thought in your like original post and then you like start to have a conversation but it's in the comments, people don't always see that. What? Or like on Twitter, right? Like you want to post like several part tweets mm -hmm. about this one subject, but, but you want to need bit. to make sure yeah. your thesis is in the intro paragraph yeah. mm -hmm. and not in the conclusion, per right. se. Yeah. And that's why most people, one thing to do, I've really learned, is if you do that, reply to yourself. Don't make it a new tweet every time, mm -hmm. because that way when they click on the first one, they see the, the thread, the whole thread. Um, they're kind of going with your editing. You said you yeah. self-edit and yeah, things like I, that. Yeah, I definitely uh, suffer from... I start writing something, but then mm -hmm. I start deleting, right. deleting, deleting. I think, again, I think that's, I mean, it's okay to self-edit. I don't think that's a mm -hmm. bad thing. I've written stuff before, like, in anger and then deleted the whole thing and didn't send it. And, you know, they say a lot of times if you're angry about something, you want to write an email about to somebody that's angered you, you write the email, then put it in the drafts and walk away for a day or two. Or you email it to Daniel Tuck. Or email it to me, ask me to look over it, which has happened several <laughs> times. Um, a great angry email reader to edit your email to make it sound nice. Um, but, uh, but it's okay to do that. It's okay to self-edit. I think the biggest thing is, if, especially if you're in some sort of... Uh, uh, again, debate or conversation, because a lot of times that's where that anger comes from is mm -hmm. some disagreement, um, is to know when it's over. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean you won. That doesn't mean they won. Just know when it doesn't matter. Like when, because there's times, like again, I've commented on some people's that I should not have, and it started an argument that I didn't want to have. And I commented probably three or four times, and then I realized, you know what? I'm not going to, they're, they're they are who they are. I am who I am. There's, this is not going anywhere. Yeah. And especially over text. Never have a fight over text. <laughs> ever. Anybody that ever tries to start a fight with me over text is the most is so frustrating <laughs> because it's not worth it. I want to see you in person so I can hear you. Mm -hmm. So you can look me in the eye and I can look you in the eye and we can have a conversation. Mm -hmm. Not because then I'm texting you, then I have to wait till you're, you can text me back and then I'm fuming. And then when you text me back, I probably forgot what I texted you. And it just, it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to do anything like that. But right. self-editing is okay. And, but also on the more professional side, right? For those, you know, for actors and stuff like that, mm -hmm. um, it's so easy, especially if you don't have things necessarily like you're not working on a film you're not working on a web series mm -hmm. but you still want to promote your career what are steps like simple ideas for posts and stuff that just because you don't have anything going on doesn't mean you shouldn't be posting mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. see my roommate is actually going through this right now and she um she's been posting lots of photos of her at her days at disney when she goes to Disney or the Universal Park on her day off. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, I think, important for people to see you. Um, to I've, see what your interests are. Yeah, and I've talked about this a lot. And I'm like, I see a lot of um, cosplay people, uh, personalities, who they just post photos of their cosplay. And there's really not much else going on besides photos of their cosplay. Even in, like, the caption. It's just like... Meow, Catterday, here's me as Catwoman. And it's like, hmm, okay. Um, so 
I I find things to post and make sure I post me in them. So right. it's like, you know, here's a, a selfie today or here's um, – picture of me doing something it's like here's me well in the previous episode you talked about sharing is one of your your like big things of just you know the do's and don'ts of social media right Mm -hmm. and would you also say that even if you don't feel like there's anything that's going on with you at that moment well if you see something else that interests you like an article or someone else has something great going on share that yep and but also what you just said, make sure that there's still a part of you in that post. So you're not just sharing a link or you're just retweeting something. You're putting your own opinion on yeah, it. Yeah, if, um, if you see a really awesome cosplay that you're like, oh my gosh, this is so inspirational. Um, you share it and you're like, I really love what she did with this technique. She's a cosplayer I've always looked up to. She's my woman crush Wednesday. I would love to meet her and work with her someday. And um, maybe even do a group cosplay. I have this idea. It's like it becomes like a uh, an opportunity to be like, hey, like to create I'm, a conversation. Yeah, like let's get talking. Like I like your stuff. Do you like my stuff? Check, Check yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, I think there's there's lots of opportunities and there's lots of like things like Woman Crush Wednesday and mm-hmm. Catterday Saturday and things like that that you can find. Um, <laughs> when do dogs get a day? When hey, do hey, dogs get we, a day? We like cats here as well, okay? <laughs> we love dogs. We love dogs. But we want to have our cat or When do moment. dogs get a day? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. This... Sunday pup day. There you go. Ooh. We found it. Thank found you. it. Bam. Bam. Nailed it. <laughs> so, yeah, I think there's lots of opportunities out there to um, find ways to continue to stay on that like schedule of sharing twice a day of something, posting something, um, just so you know the people who are interested in what you have to share have something to and, check in on. And you're also letting people know about your journey. Yeah. Regardless of, well, I did, I'm not working on a Spielberg movie. Guess I'm not going to post anything. No, you know people are interested in. Where what you're up to, mm-hmm. yeah, like, like that. maybe today here's a picture of this stack of papers, and I'm I'm working on writing this thing and sharing a story about that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very important for me to show people the the me to make sure that that's not lost in my journey, um, because as things get busier, it takes it still takes just as much time, if not more. To think, to sit down and think about that inspirational post I want to post and this topic I want to talk about and to get a conversation going. Um, but if you don't include yourself in these posts, it just becomes you're just another Instagram model. Yeah. So so to kind of wrap it up a little bit, mm-hmm. um, I think we got a lot of great stuff about marketing yourself and remembering that you're a brand and you're, some people are watching you. But and, that you're you know, also an artist. Yeah, absolutely. And that you can change your brand. Absolutely. Yes. Your brand can change. And, and if you have true fans, they'll change with you. Like, they'll enjoy it. Um, so let's just go around real quick and just say, like, one last, like, do and don't advice that you might have for people out there, whether it's about craft or identity or uh, cosplay or acting or whatever, um, mm. just kind of give your own piece of advice to the masses uh, that are listening right now. One do, I'll one go don't. first because we'll probably all say the same thing. Be yourself. <laughs> That's a do. That's a do. That's, That's a not do. a don't. That's not a don't. That's a do. <laughs> and a don't? Do you have a don't? Um... 
don't try to not be yourself. Um, <laughs> don't be other people. <laughs> don't be other people. <laughs> I like it. It's great. Um, I'd say do what you love, but don't make it who you are. Um, and then uh, don't uh, don't ex- don't let chances of uh, or risks pass you by because you're too scared to fail. Um, failing's okay. And is this just social media? No, no, anything. Or, like, oh, just, just anything. Yeah, it's like as an actor, as, yeah, a, as a person, I mean, as a human being, as a Michael. As a Michael. Don't let other Michaels something take to, your identity. Something I feel like to do, really embrace who you are. Really look in the mirror and like yourself. Be your own biggest fan, mm-hmm. I think, is something that we, we all should remember. Yeah. It's so easy to be a, your own worst enemy. Be your own biggest fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and for don't, uh, don't approach someone expecting them to do something for you. Mm. Be in service of others. Mm. Give. Give. And Cre- come back. Create a relationship. <laughs> don't make a connection, right? Like, just go in with a, an attitude of, how can I help you? And, I, I, and just not in, in the industry, just in life. I think it's so easy for us to have this wall of like, what can you do for me? And that's when we hit the walls and stuff like that. And we yell at each other. But I think, how can I help you? Mm-hmm. If you're you're not doing okay, if you see someone with their wall up, how can you help them? Mm-hmm. You know, can you give them a dollar? Can you, you know, just listen to them? Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think those are uh, some acting and some life lessons. Awesome. Well, thank you, Michael, for chatting with us and talking about. Thank all this you for having me stuff. back. Always, uh, always a pleasure to have you on. I will away, uh, will away in my chair now. <laughs> sweet, 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 sweet. Um, so, uh, real quick, Allie, before we really wrap up, uh, one thing I love to do on our show is uh, a, a little bit of a quiz. And as I've said many times before, uh, after Friendster and before Facebook, there was a wonderful little realm called MySpace. Uh, before Instagram, before Twitter, uh, everybody was friends with Toms, and everybody's profile made them look like D-bags. Um, so on this space, there was a lot of things you could do to keep from being bored. And one of those things was ridiculous, unnecessary quizzes that were not about... They didn't give you any kind of answer about your personality or who you, what role you would be in a movie. It was just literally answering questions. Um, and I have a little bit of a questionnaire that has 167 questions. Uh, as always, Allie picked six mysterious numbers at the beginning of the podcast that she didn't know what they were for. And now she will find out All right. what those questions were. Allie, are you ready for your MySpace quiz? Yes, let's do this. <laughs> <clears throat> Shy or outgoing? Oh, gosh. These are supposed to be rapid fire, too. No, no, no. These aren't rapid fire. You can no, think about these a little I can... Okay. Okay, it's MySpace. You can yeah, yeah, type whatever. You take what, yeah, MySpace. You take all your time there. Let's listen um, to Blink-182 while you do it. I, yeah. I think the majority of time I'm pretty outgoing, but I do enjoy my alone time and where I can just be by myself, rely upon myself, and make things. Um, but, yeah, I'll usually be the one to, like, initiate to go up and be like, no, I'm going to say hi and shake your hand and try this. So, Do you say that out loud? Hi, I'm going to shake your hand and say, and say hi to you. Um, I think I have a few times. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I'm yeah, just going to go up and I, say hi. I'm pretty sure I said that to Damon Lindelof when I met him. Um, <laughs> do, you have, do you watch the news? Um, oh, gosh, I just confessed this earlier today on a live stream um, when somebody's like, are you up to date with politics? And oh, I'm God, like, the dreaded question. 
And I'm like, I confess that I'm not. Um, after the nomination um, presidential election, I was like really burnt out and frustrated and a little mm-hmm. lost. Mm-hmm. And I kind of on purpose disconnected and got lost into my craft. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I should be watching like um, The Late Show or something like that to kind of <laughs> keep up with it. But um, I'm not. And I, I'm okay right now. I think I'll come back into it mm-hmm. at some point where I'll be like, okay. I'm I'm ready. I feel like I I can go do some change. I can uh, be a little bit more tuned in. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Have you ever won a trophy? Uh, yeah. Well, ooh, what yeah. Was it? What, was it? what was the trophy, Allie? No, what was actually, the trophy? just like it, it sparked my memory when I last went home, and my mom's like, "You have this couple of box, these couple of boxes you need to go through," and um, one of the boxes, or maybe two, were trophies, and um, I I took the time to go through and photograph each award and note down on um, a document and um, see what each one was for. Mm -hmm. And then I took them to the local um, trophy shop, which had provided so many of those trophies to me over the years. Mm -hmm. And I said, I I don't have a purpose for these anymore. Mm -hmm. I said, I've documented them. I don't need them, but I thought maybe you could like repurpose them in some way and they're like actually we can there's things like the local um shelters and um the old folks homes like they they will give out and have like fun awards and things and they'll need like trophies to oh. give out and they don't really care and we can just totally oh, relabel awesome. them like, i didn't cool. even know that that's, that's cool. really cool yeah <laughs> um uh do you want pets yeah i do um i i think i told my mom when i was little i was like i'm gonna eat mcdonald's every day um and like and my mom had a similar thing that she said when she was a kid, like, I'm going to grow up and have all the cats. Um, and it was like... All the cats? Yeah. Those... It was the same... Well, she actually ended up raising purebred Maine Coons for oh many years. Geez. So we grew up with all the cats. And oh. I miss it. <laughs> she lived her dream. <laughs> she did. And I had McDonald's for some time. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I, I do miss having a snuggly cat with me. Mm. A very social, sweet cat who kind of, like, follows me around and... And likes to sleep on me. I can do cosplay. <laughs> well, there's a cat. There's a cosplay cat <laughs> in Seattle that I want to shoot with. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he, no, she, she, it's a girl, she's Calico, has a Fallout vault suit. Um, and I want to get my Nuka girl and do a shoot with her. Aww. Yeah. It's so cute. It's a little cat cat on top. All right, uh, that's a weird question. Do you want pets? <laughs> it's, want like, pets? it's like it's like it's like it's like it's like it's like the relationship smaller. break question, but like but at the beginning in high school, like do you want pets? Yeah, I want a cat. Oh, I'm a dog person. We we're can't do- be friends. We're done. <laughs> uh, what's irritating you in your life right now? Um, the underappreciation of fabric cosplayers. Um, so I just, I went through like a breakdown after Northern FanCon where it's like, people don't appreciate me because I don't make armor. And I was like, well, I'm going to go make armor then and show them. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, or I could just make some really amazing giant piece that shows how much technique goes into, um, fabric. Mm-hmm. And just because somebody works with armor does not make them greater than somebody who just works with fabric. Um, and especially after judging the costume contest for Northern FanCon, I had to fight for some of those people. And I had to be like, no, listen, like, this is really clean and good, and they deserve some recognition. They are a 9 out of 10 for their level. 
And just because the other person makes armor and they're nine out of ten doesn't make them better mm-hmm. than this other person. Um, so yeah, I feel like this real like need to like yeah prove prove myself and the fabric costumer world. <laughs> <laughs> and the final question. Oh gosh. Allie Williams, have you ever turned someone down for a date? Yeah. <laughs> and that's the best way to end that uh, thank you so much Allie for coming on truly appreciate it can you tell everybody one more time where they can find you sure um, Instagram is preferred because that's what I'm trying to build my fan following so please go there um, my Instagram is only Allie Cat O-N-L-Y-A-L-I-C-A-T meow <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure talking to you, and I hope you'll come back again sometime. Yeah. And we'll chat more. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening, and back to you, Michael and Daniel, in the studio. All right, and welcome back, everyone. Wow, that was one of the best conversations I feel like we've had here on the podcast. So many people, whether or not you're an artist, come to this town in Los Angeles and there is pre-Los Angeles U and then some post-Los Angeles U because no matter where you come from, I can definitely say, as I did in the episode, being a guy from a small town, I was so excited for that change when I moved to this city. This this city can challenge you and this city can push you back, but it has so much potential to change who you are. And I like the way Ali described it as... Uh, further defining who you are, sharpening who you are. You you won't know what the end product is going to be, but you have to allow the journey, as it were, to to shape you and to mold you into who you the artist, I guess, who you're really supposed to be. And it is interesting how the idea of acting. I I even heard myself mention it in this episode that we're taught at the beginning of our training to try and become someone else, but more and more as I'm going through my training and my own self-discovery is that it's really just about being you under imaginary circumstances at least for the most part there are those uh, crafted performances like Christian Bale Gary Oldman Joaquin Phoenix this many who completely transform their physical appearance and their voice and you, you you hardly recognize them but at the end of the day they're still drawing from their own personal human experience and so I think moving to this town or to any kind of market where there is just a large group of people and a whole lot of art (laughs) and a whole lot of life that happens to you it's going to shape you and it's going to mold you and I think you put a barrier against yourself if you try and resist some of that change or or if you try and take everything on as Ali was talking about how at the beginning she was just trying to appease everyone she was trying to have the hair color that everyone wanted her to have and have the headshots that everyone else seemed to have and how at one point she asked herself like so many of us do down here of like wait a minute this isn't resonating with me I just want to be me and I, I loved her whole story about the balloon animal situation. Uh, I thought that was not only funny, but also enlightening. And I thought endearing to hear about how even though she didn't know how to do that many balloon animals, that just by being her and being engaging and being truthful and in the moment, 
No one in that room cared about whether or not she could do a balloon flower. They were looking at the person. They were looking... And and she wasn't even, quote-unquote, acting. She was just being herself, talking about her own personal experience. That is something I want to start incorporating more and more into the work of just being me. Just being me. That I'm enough. That you are enough if you go into an audition room. You know, sure, it does need to be a crafted performance, but at the end of the day, they're casting you for you. So I thought that was a, an amazing conversation. And then I loved the quote that she gave of Tim Ferriss of putting your dream on definite hold is not giving up. You can pick up your dream at any time. And so often do we as artists put pressure on ourselves to obtain results that once I complete this X, let's call it, once I complete X, that means I'll be further along in my journey. And again, I don't think it's that black and white. I don't think it's that clear. I think it is sometimes life happens where you might have to put down the the paintbrush for a little while and experience life and let that shape and inform who you are. And that will then in turn shape and inform how you feel about your work. Maybe it's that time to try something new. As Ali was saying, for sometimes film people who want to direct, maybe they just want to write and that's okay. It's okay to stop one thing and focus on another if it's going to be the thing that brings you back around to your original art or you might find a new skill entirely that you had no idea of but you have to be open to it the more specific you are of course that will help but I I'm of the mind that you don't want to just be one thing in this town you want to be someone like a jazz trice or people who are jack of all trades like Ali she goes and constructs all of these costumes and she owns a business and all of that life experience leads into her work as an actor. By all means, we're not against any clock. We're up against our own expectations and we need to be able to let those go from time to time, but also let those drive us and help fuel the fire to keep going. I also thought that was just a great conversation on branding. Ali had emailed us after the interview and just, you know, sending us some of her notes on social media and the lines that I really thought were great were consistency, make sure that it's personal, specific, and engaging. And as a podcast, still very much early on in our uh, journey, that those are the things that we're trying to focus on is being consistent and also being personal, specific to the type of content that we're producing. We're not just sharing anything and everything. We're, we know that we're a podcast platform supporting artists. So that's the type of content that we want to share and specifically in Los Angeles. And we also want to make sure that we're engaging with you, our listeners. So please, by all means, connect with us on social media. And you can connect with Ali as well. Remember, on Twitter, she goes by Ali Acts. That's A-L-I-A-C-T-S. And on Instagram, at OnlyAliCat. O-N-L-Y-A-L-I-C-A-T. Because that's what this is all about. Me and Daniel, we wanted to start this podcast not only to connect and engage with the guests, but we also want to engage with you, the listeners. We would love to hear what you're gaining out of this interview or out of these all of these interviews that we're doing. You could connect with us. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Hollywood Hustle Podcast and on Twitter at LA Hustlecast. Or, you know, if you would like to uh, record your own voice asking a question and send us 
send it to us via email. Just email us, hollywoodhustlepodcast at gmail.com. And we'd love to share share your question with our listeners here and open it up for conversation. I think that would be really great because one of the things that I love about Ali's work ethic and her engagement is with her fans. The The fact that she was talking about how she has a favorite fan that really helps keep her on top of it, make, making sure that she's always doing the best work that she could possibly do. And we want to hold ourselves to that accountability as well. We want to make sure that we're doing right by you, our listeners. So please send us your thoughts. If you if you really like what you're listening to so far, please leave us a review on iTunes, as well as uh, rating us on Stitcher or Google Play Music, wherever you listen to this podcast. You can also check us, check us out on our website, hollywoodhustlepodcast.com. Uh, but please let us know. We want to connect with you, and we want you to help us hold hold ourselves accountable and then maybe we can become a part of your journey as well what dreams are you chasing what's holding you back are you the most you where are you on your journey please let us know and connect and we would love to hear from you so moving on coming up in our next episode number 28 uh and lift after listening to all of our conversations with Alyssa Carter, Jazz Trice, and Allie Williams. We have so much that we need to unpack from their knowledge and experience that they've shared. So that's right. It's time for another Team Hustle episode where Daniel and I, we are going to check back in with you and talk to you about our personal journeys that we're going through, as well as dissect the commonalities and the themes that were brought up in all of these discussions. Then returning guest Katra Parkman joins us for an eye-opening talk about the hustle of acquiring representation in this town. Agents, managers, all of the artists here in this town have to get one, so we're going to talk to you about it. All that and more when Team Hustle returns next week. Same podcast, same crew. And until then, folks, remember to always keep up the hustle. This episode of Hollywood Hustle Podcast was hosted by Daniel Tuttle and produced with Michael Lutheran. Kel Torados is our sound engineer, and Mike Tobias edited our website. For more information about the show, visit our website, hollywoodhustlepodcast.com.